When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Jaybird Watching. Once again, we got a you know Wednesday Wallop slash Top Prospects episode going on here. Brendan Panicaro is with me, as typical per the Wednesday Wallop. How's it going, buddy? Not too bad. Survived the uh, the ice pellet storm that rolled through Toronto, which is coming down your way. So hopefully you survived that as well. It was a rather painful walk to the subway to get up to work today. So it wasn't very enjoyable. But it's done now, and I'm on with you on the Wednesday Wallop, so my night is instantly better. There you go, buddy. I'm glad to have you, as always. It's always some fun, interesting shenanigans that we get into on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, But tonight, we're going to continue the top 30 prospects. And, Brendan, you've seen the list. Um, out of the last few guys, is there anybody that was you were shocked that you know was basically 26 through 35 on our list last week when we were talking with... Uh, Jason Waddell there that you were maybe surprised was that low on the list? I I don't think so. I mean, when you're that far down on the prospect ranking, it's such a crapshoot for who could become good. But one guy I was interested in for a little while before I really dove into his, you know, his history and learned a little bit more about him was Forrest Wall because I had hopes that maybe Wall could turn himself into uh uh, somewhat of a piece because as of right now the outfield depth in the minor leagues is really really lacking and hurting but Forrest Wall after doing a little bit more of a deep dive on him doesn't seem to really be much he could be something but it all kind of lines up to me as him being more of a fourth outfielder which they have too many of right now right at the upper levels of the Buffalo Bisons and AAA and at the major league level. There's no stud outfielder unless Anthony Alford gets his uh, career back on track. So Wall, for me, I had higher hopes for, but after looking into him a little bit more, um, I'm not as high on him as I was. But other than that, I think it's a pretty, pretty solid list from a whole bunch of different contributors and perspectives. Yeah, because in our pot here, we got south of the six. Us here at Jaybird watching. Um, we have a few other Jays Journal guys that are our common norms <laughs> for our, our here on the show. Then we threw that right into the math with the baseball reference and um, all their wonderful ta tabulations off the main metrics off a of line. So we got a weird style list going on here that's got a little bit of everybody's opinion in it. And as far as the Forest Wall thing goes, man, I kind of tend to agree with you. He's a complete wild card in the system right now. Yeah. This is a guy that used to be ranked as the, one of the top 100 prospects in 2016. That has clearly fallen off and completely out of favor with the Rockies as a, you know, a throw-in, <laughs> more or less. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it sucks, too, because he used to have uh, plus-plus speed, 
but now that's been downgraded over the last so while, so he's nowhere near as fast as he once was. So um, I th- one thing I read on MLB Pipeline uh, when I was putting this piece together was that the Rockies do did see him for the longest time as being a guy who could be a nice spray hitter who puts the ball all over the place, but somebody who, when he grows into his frame a little bit more, maybe have a little bit more muscle weight, could hit for more power. Right now, it just doesn't seem like anything really sticks out for him. So it's too bad because they are in desperate need of either somebody at the major league level right now who won't be Kevin Pillar because he's already reached the ceiling, uh, but maybe like a Randall Grichik to completely break out and turn into that one stud outfielder they have, or Anthony Alford to get back on track. Or you never know. I'm still not ready to put the Oscar Hernandez into a full-time DH. I know he was a a train wreck out there last year, but he's got to get at least one more shot. And I do think Billy McKinney will be a nice little player too, but Wall's getting a little bit older. He could get up to AAA at some point this year. Uh, and you never know. I mean, he was protected by them from the rule of five draft. Um, and, and so he, maybe they believe in him. Maybe they believe they can turn him around. Yeah. And then in the midst of, like you said, with the gaping hole in the outfield, it makes you even look more at the pending, however many, good free agents are on the market, right? Do you plug somebody right in hard. and hope to keep them? Yeah, I know, right? I, to me, honestly, <laughs> that's just the financials of it, period, is the only reason he's probably not a Toronto Blue Jay. you got to think if he's a guy that's on the outside looking in at the Blue Jays' system, <laughs> there's something good cooking there. And if he's right? been in front of you know Vlad for the next 10 years, how do you not like that idea? <laughs> I, I saw a tweet today, and I don't want to turn this into the Bryce Harper show, but, I mean he lines up so well with the Blue Jays' competitive window. And if your team, I saw a tweet today, I can't remember who it was from, but you're saying if your team doesn't want to commit to signing Bryce Harper, even if it's as much as an eight, nine, or ten-year deal, even seven years, you're basically saying that your team is not going to be competitive over the next seven to ten years. So I know that's not the message teams are obviously trying to send by not signing Bryce Harper, but that's a pretty easy message to take away because he's a cornerstone piece which you can build around. And he makes so much sense as he continues to linger there. At the beginning of the offseason, whenever he was brought up, a lot of Jays fans on Twitter were like, you're an idiot. Don't, like, that's not even happening. Now people are wanting it to happen so badly because it just makes so much sense. Yeah, and it's one of those things that every day passing (laughs) is going to keep – getting more and more close to that idea that the Blue Jays, why aren't you doing this? It's kind of like that shit-or-get-off-the-pot idea, right? Yeah. It's like he's lingering there for a reason. It's for you guys to jump in and go sign him. Sign Bryce Harper, you cowards. That's what that's really been the the Twitter, I don't know, I don't know the classic status quo tweet lately from Blue Jays fans is sign Bryce Harper, you cowards. <laughs> and just to put that into perspective, this is so much better than them trying to go after the B.J. Ryans, the big-name contracts of the times that the Blue Jays have signed. And it's just, like I said, it's kind of almost obscene at this point that the fact that him, Machado, and so many players are not currently signed this late into the game. We're talking already. We were playing in our first spring training show before we started tonight <laughs> or next week. So, yeah. It's, like I said, it's getting to the point where obviously the players are even getting into it and the MLPA is wondering what's going on and it's just becoming a really big deal at this point. And regardless of the Bryce Harpers of the world, right, there is still a lot of good talent on the free agent roster right now. You know, there's a plethora of decent outfielders that might be good enough to fit in. You know, isn't 
correct me if I'm wrong, is AJ Pollock still free? Uh, he might be on the no, cheaper he went side. To the Dodgers. That Dodgers, okay, that's what? right. Yeah, that's so, the Dodgers TV too. But yeah, there's there's guys that are not you could get Josh Harrison right now that could play right yeah. field or left field or throw in that mix and that'd be a nice infield mix too, but things like that. There's all these good I say above average players. Oh yeah. But No, without a doubt. It's at least it's in that ballpark that if you sign those guys to a couple of years, you know, it's at least keeping as much as I like Dwight Smith Jr., it's keeping him off of in a fourth outfield role like he should probably be more cemented in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's so many. Uh, it's crazy. Baseball is unfortunately looking like it's headed to, unless things change over the next little while, it really looks like it's heading to what could be a very ugly labor dispute or stoppage in a few years when the CBA uh, expires. Uh, and this is a prime example of why. Teams just don't want to pay money for free agents right now, and it, it's insane to me. why. Last year's offseason made so much more sense because they're like, we want to get under the luxury tax because Bryce Harper is going to be a free agent, Manny Machado is going to be a free agent, Andrew McCutcheon is going to be a free agent, Josh Donaldson. Uh, I so mean, some on, of those so guys forth. are fine. Yeah, like it was a crazy list. So it made more sense last year that people were not wanting to spend, but it's making no sense right now. Although, yeah, but at the same time, there's an equal argument to say maybe the players' asks or asking prices are just becoming too outrageous. And teams are like, we really don't want to pay that money. We're yeah. fine going five years, 150 or whatever, but we're not going to give you 10 years and 300 million. So, I don't know. There's a bit of give and take on both sides, but uh, it's crazy. It sucks. It really does suck to see. Yeah, and as far as uh, getting back into the ballpark of what we're talking about this evening with prospects, you got guys coming out of the minors that are Aaron Judge and all these other good players. <laughs> you know, it's um, the Blue Jays have the inevitable Vlad due date. That's what I was reading this morning was April 12th. That's <laughs> when he's first about yeah. eligible. <laughs> I think yeah. it was Ben Nichols Smith that wrote that. But he goes, you yeah. know, don't worry about that. Yeah, 12th would be the first day he's technically eligible to be for that next year on the Blue Jays' control. But as far as it goes, they, I think they're going to probably do exactly what the Cubbies did with Chris Bryant and not make it too blatantly obvious. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. They don't want to get themselves into the hot water. The Cubs got in. I'm pretty sure the MLB launched an investigation into that just to make sure. But, I mean, if you, it's a bit of a catch Every team would take yeah. advantage of having keeping a guy like Mike Trout, Chris Bryant, Vlad Jr. <laughs> all day, every day. So until the rules change, this is how baseball is going to be with good, amazing young talent. Yeah, I think they got to reduce the amount of years of control. I mean, six is a lot by the time they get to the major leagues. Maybe it becomes four years of service time, kind of like the NFL, where you can hit as a free agent when you're like 24, 25. So you're about to enter your prime and get paid for that, especially if you've already gotten off to a good start as a young player. I like that about the NFL is that you can have young stars hitting the free agent market consistently every year unless you're a quarterback. So, seeing we're at the point where we're talking youth of this uh, <laughs> Paul Park here, <laughs> why don't we uh, dive back into this top 30, man? So, last week, yeah. uh, Jason Waddell, uh, Prospects Live, or at Jason at the game, was kind enough to join us for the Just Missed Candidates, and 30 through 26. So, tonight, we are kicking off with number 25, and the, it's a possible breakout candidate, my friend, in uh, Santiago Espinal. Yeah. We talked about him quite a bit on a podcast previous, but uh, at the time when the Blue Jays got him for Steve Pierce, um, nobody really knew a whole bunch about him, but there was that article 
uh, on MLB.com. I believe, I can't remember when it was posted. I want to say it was just before Christmas or maybe it was a little bit after Christmas when we recorded that episode. Uh, but Espinal was listed as one of the 10 prospects who could really break out in the minor leagues this year because his hard, uh, our, his hard hit rate and line drive rate are among some of the best in the entire minor leagues. So that's pretty damn exciting that he could actually turn into a piece uh, of the Blue Jays' future. I believe they have his MLB ETA as this year, uh, and if it's not, it'll be next year. So Espinal somebody who's going to come rather quickly. He's got a lot of talent as far as everything goes. His bat's coming along, and from all accounts, his defense was on point to begin with. So this is a guy that can play both keystone positions and possibly anchor in at third base some too, Brennan. So that's another one of those guys that's in the midst of our organization that is just way athletic <laughs> and plays the middle infield, right? <laughs> yeah, apparently he's got a wicked uh, a rocket of an arm as well, so that's uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, and that fills in some good depth too because, like we were talking about, you got plenty of guys up the middle. Third base, we're kind of hit or miss with. It's going to depend on where these guys, like somebody like Santiago Espinal, land as far as if they're going to stick at second or third shortstop and what happens from there, right? But you got to have, there's so much talent in the middle that some of these guys are going to go other places on the diamond. And Espinal with a cannon like that. It just doesn't wouldn't shock me that he's playing third base come that ETA closing time we were just alluding to. Yeah, he definitely could be right at the hot corner of Vlad moving to first if that's what seems to be the logical progression and bow it short and who knows who's playing second base at that time if it's not Kevin Bezio or somebody else, but uh, that's a pretty exciting infield when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, there's so much exciting talent in the system. There's, like It's a fantastic farm system right now. Which has made this countdown even more shockingly hard, <laughs> which is why I brooded it down to freaking cold calculating math. <laughs> yeah. So, engineered background. Exactly. It's been engineered in rotisserie baseball uh, <laughs> mathematics. So, but Espinal <laughs> peaking out last season with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats and it was a part of that uh, wonderful championship run that they had last season, taking the Eastern League, uh, batting 286. OPS of 354 and a slugging of 395. That's not a bad slash line for a guy that's 23 playing just uh, about a year and a half under the typical age difference in that league, in the Eastern League. Oh yeah, he's proven he can hit uh, his entire minor league career for the most part at this point. So it'll be interesting to see him in a full year double A and maybe if he gets triple A at some point, if uh, it uh, will obviously get harder for him but to see if he can continue to post WRC pluses of above 100, which is league average. Yeah, and with that being at league average, I think if he didn't have Boba Shett and Kevin Vigio slotted up the middle in Buffalo basically to start this season, you could have made a good argument that he was probably going to start the start in Buffalo this season in AAA, and they probably could have figured things out. You know, after a decent, you know, he had a good sample size of 42 games in AA last year. It's not like he just showed up and <laughs> got a cup of coffee, you know. Yeah, he could be a guy who gets close to 10 home runs, too, when he builds that a little bit more. I know he had, he had seven uh, in 2018 in his 65 games at the Red Sox. Only hit one when he got here. But uh, he does seem like a guy who could contribute low-end, double-digit home run totals. And and, and the thing that strikes me the best about Espinal is when he does arrive in Toronto, whatever position he is playing, that pop that he does in his bat is going to just wreck the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to yeah. be playing the ball off that wall consistently. 
So it'll be a good deal for him, I think. So anything else to add on Espinal before we move along? I don't think so. That, uh, that, that's a pretty well. He's, uh, it's nice to see that a return for uh, World Series MVP uh, could be quite good. Yeah, at least major league potential for a guy that we traded for that World Series MVP, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now the everyday first baseman, it looks like, for the Boston Red Sox after signing that free agent deal. So, Yeah, figures we'll see a lot of Steve Pierce this year. Yeah, you know, and it'll be that one of those things that it's like, oh, he's actually healthy now, right? <laughs> yeah, figures as he leaves. I said that's it what for years. Boston, that's what the Baltimore Orioles are saying. That's what the Tampa Bay Rays are saying as well. But uh, figures. Yeah, as his AL East tour (laughs) continues. Um, But number 24, Brennan, we got another guy that's been added in the last year, Trent Thornton coming in. Another pitcher for a change. (laughs) Yeah, uh, a pitcher for a change, that's for sure. You know what? Blue Jays' depth chart right now has him as seventh on the rotation behind Stroman, Sanchez, Baruffy, Shoemaker, Richard, Reed Foley, and then Thornton slides in at seven above Sam Gavilio. Uh, you shouldn't make much about what's listed on the depth chart, but it does give a pretty good idea as to the general sense as to what they think the rotation will shake down as. So it would not surprise me to see Trent Thornton be up here for a few starts um, in, in 2019 because, or I mean, he's been in AAA in 2017 and in 2018. All. Of uh, 2018, actually. So and actually made... performed admirably in the Pacific Coast League, which is a launch pad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's made 44 or 42 starts um, in AAA, so he's knocking at the door. But the last few years hasn't looked overly kind to him. It doesn't look like he does anything spectacularly, and he has a really, really funky delivery. But you know, a lot of pitchers who come and play here say they do like working a lot with Pete Walker. So maybe when he does work with Pete Walker, they can uh, harness something. He, you know what? He, he's probably going to be a back end of the rotation arm, which they seem to have a lot of right now with guys like uh, Thornton and Walgett's Pack and, and who knows what David Paulino or Hector Perez could be, but they got a lot of those guys who are back end fillers. But they could be something. You never know. You never know the starters. Sometimes they take longer to develop than others. Then there's no such thing as enough pitchers. <laughs> exactly. You need that. Yeah, you you can give me thirty fifth, five uh, fifth spot in the rotation, guys, <clears throat> and I'd still be happy with it. <laughs> you got to have somebody that might stand out a little bit, but as far as the rest of it goes, my friend, it just helps to have all that depth behind that. Otherwise, you're getting the you know Angry Bird years where we had like Josh Towers and <laughs> all these oh, other guys dude, hanging no, out. No, no, thank you. <laughs> So, you know, you don't, I don't want to see Brian Tallett coming out of the bullpen to get starts. <laughs> no, no, no longer. No, no longer the days of Brian Tallett or guys like that who are coming out from the yeah. pen and getting starts every so often. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what his splits looked like at, in Fresno last year. But after coming over, he ended up pitching in the Arizona Fall League and uh, got 15 and uh, two-thirds innings in and looked pretty good except for one start where it kind of inflated his or eight of four. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, outings, not starts. He was just pitching <laughs> on the bullpen hey, for the fall league. But you know as far as it you goes, and that's a good. I honestly think the Arizona Fall League is a much bigger indicator these days of how a pitcher is, or a pitcher is going to at least perform. There's so much hitting. <laughs> yeah, in that league now. 
there's a lot of talent that goes to the Arizona Fall League every year, so it is nice to see uh, Trent Thornton getting down there and, and performing pretty well. Yeah. So moving right along, number 23 is a guy that all Blue Jays fans jumped right on to once he made his Major League debut last year. Rowdy Telez coming in at number 23 on our on our uh, countdown. How can you not like Rowdy Telez? <laughs> I know. He's been through so much the last few years. I feel so bad for the kid. Like It's, uh, it's no wonder he struggled the last few years because he's been through a lot. Yeah, it's good to see him turn in the corner regardless of all the terrible things that are going off the field um, it's nice to know that he's at least got his baseball family pulling for him every minute and you gotta know his mom was full on jumping up and down <laughs> in heaven and whatnot uh, with uh, his major league debut and how it went and how many games in a row did he have a hit right off the bat or it was a double right it was like six games with yeah doubles. it was a double yeah I think it was five or six maybe even seven but he showed he does have extra base power he's a big big boy so the power in his bat is rather exciting. I mean, look I mean, look at his numbers throughout his entire Blue Jays minor league career, which started back in 2013. The Other than his first year in rookie ball, the lowest uh, weighted runs created plus total that he posted between 2014 and 2018 was 73, and that was in the season where he went through all the off-field trouble and really struggled. But year move that year, you got 115, 125, 130, and even numbers as high as 176, 152. And I love small sample sizes because you can be like, whoa, this guy is unreal in a very small sample size. But four home runs, 314 batting average, 329 OBP. Doesn't, didn't walk much at the majors. But he was attacking everything. And a weighted runs created plus of 151. So he's shown he can hit. Um, and he could be the first baseman after Justin Smoke's ten years done here. You never know if he gets back on track like he was in 2016. He could be uh, he could be a player who's around here for a little while. He's going to be one of the more fun players to see come this spring. And I'm not just saying that because he was jealous that I had a beer and he didn't when I saw him a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> he was at the Buffalo Bisons prospect show- showcase, and him and Ryan Barucki were at a uh, table together. <laughs> and me and my dad stroll up with a couple beers in hand and, you know, baseballs get autographed and whatnot. And they go like, oh, you didn't bring me anything? Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as far as it goes, that that small sample size is still very intriguing. I, I The only thing that is – it's typical of him. He had 21 strikeouts in that frame. But the fact that yeah. he was getting solid pitches to hit and it was really not – all pull either he, he took a few the other way which is you know stepping out of his norm or at least from his minor league numbers so how much stuff were they really were working on with him while he was being able to rake like that up at those 23 games in the majors you know yeah no absolutely he'd be sprayed the ball around a little bit i mean his pull was 42 percent but everything it seemed like everything that he hit 82 percent of balls hit was either medium or hard contact so when if you hit the ball hard, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get your fair share of base hits and extra base hits as well. Plus, we're all just looking forward to saying getting rowdy. <laughs> That's right. That's something I've been looking forward to for a while. Let's get yeah. rowdy, boys. Yeah, exactly. As far as all the fun goes, this is a guy that a couple of years ago we're talking take Justin Smoke's job. Before yeah. Spring, you know, I remember the talk extending all the way until the Montreal series of it had to have been 2016. Was that? It was right after this extension. Okay, yeah, that's what. It yeah, was. yeah. Right it was, break. It was uh, the year that smoke broke out. 
So yeah, twenty seven. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And everybody's like, "Well, Rowdy had a fantastic twenty sixteen season. Let's give him a shot." He was performing well in spring training, and Smoke was not. So everybody was uh, on the Rowdy Tellez bandwagon in spring training twenty seventeen. I just hope that everybody doesn't get discouraged because of that one season. Because every, like you were, like you were just saying, all things mentally that could go wrong with a player were occurring in <laughs> Roddy Telez's life, right? And he manages yeah. to come out in the next season, put everything together, and puts an incredible season together in 2018, period. You know, but played great, solid baseball with the Buffalo Bisons, actually really cut down his strikeout numbers over that same time frame of games, <laughs> and just looked really good. He looks like a middle-of-the-order guy that can hit possibly knock you 20 home runs and get you somewhere in the 70 to 80 ballpark in RBIs every season. That's a guy that I'll you want that. somewhere in your lineup that's in the fifth or sixth spot. That's just, that's easy yeah. Justin Smoke right now. But Definitely. in all reality, I don't think you get the defense out of Telez that you get out of Justin Smoke is the catch. No, and there's there's no, re- uh, no reason to rush Justin Smoke out the door right now. No, I, I want to see Justin Smoke come out and just crush everything <laughs> like he has been who was recently ranked as one of the top ten first basemen according to Major League Baseball Network. Did you see that? No, I didn't. But, I think he uh, came in at number hey, eight because of the shredder. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as all the good stuff goes, um, we got a guy that, well, because of his defense and because of how he hits, has been sneaky good for the last few years. So Roddy Telez, unfortunately, is probably going to have to wait one more season before he gets a true shot unless he's just ungodly good and forces somebody's hand to – you know, at least steal a DJ, uh, a DH spot from uh, Morales or something. But yeah. who knows what's going to happen with that whole situation. But I hope that Rowdy continues right where he left off and he forces this team's hand a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. It'll be probably around, if he's doing well in Buffalo to begin the year, probably he'll be up here after the trade deadline if Smoke or Morales are shipped out the door. So I think from then on we can start making our evaluations on Rowdy Telez. Correct. So, enough gushing on Rowdy. (laughs) (laughs) Number uh, 22, my friend. Probably one of the speediest guys in the whole organization right now. Jonathan Davis has been just just tearing up the base paths over the last few years. Only Roman Fields has more minor league stolen bases in the Blue Blue Jays minor league system than... Um, Jonathan Davis over the past few years. So he got a chance to come up to Toronto last year. I don't remember seeing him in 20 games. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what his page says. It doesn't feel like he played that many, but that's probably because he didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> well, the catch on that is it was clearly nothing but pinch hits. So, you know, yeah. 20 games, 25 or 27 plate appearances. <laughs> so, yeah, not a whole lot. It's really hard for a player that's used to playing every day in where he was playing in Buffalo, where he was batting 282 through 124 games, so very solid, showing a little bit of everything. Ten, ten home runs, three or five triples, 29 doubles, man. That's a guy that can play in the outfield in Toronto and just bank the ball all over the place, and hopefully he'll have a little bit higher of an on-base percentage than Rajay Davis playing left. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. My only concern with Davis long-term is his walk totals went down the higher he's gone up. He hasn't seemed to be able to adjust to pitching at a better level, just and his strikeout totals went up. So unless that trend starts to turn around a little bit, 
Um, he's really nothing more than a speed guy at this point. Yeah, and unfortunately the Blue Jays have a guy that's probably going to have to break into the roster this year in Dalton Pompey that already has the speed tools, and we're hoping that he can hit a little bit better than Jonathan Davis would be the catch. Yeah, that would be ideal. That would be ideal. So, uh, unfortunately, Davis is probably blocked, and he's in that quasi-wonderful group that we were alluding to a few minutes ago of the uh, <laughs> all the wonderful fourth outfielders we have in the system. Yeah, exactly. That's why we need somebody to step up and actually uh, take the reins as the next bona fide outfielder, which hopefully will be Anthony Offer. Yeah, stop jumping ahead. That's like five shows from now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm excited. I want him to get his career back on track. I'm very excited to see him being healthy this year and putting it all together again because that last season has just been – it was rough, but you could see flashes of it, especially when I had the chance of seeing him the couple times he was healthy. I was like, he's still got it. It's just waiting to happen, and it's going to eventually unfold, I think. But what do I know? That's why I'm not getting paid to hey, see out. <laughs> that's why we're recording this show on a Wednesday night instead of uh, being in the Blue Jays front office. Although we are doing pretty good, man. When we go to that concert, I can actually have enough money to buy you your own beer out of the account now. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> it's that splitting one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> so, coming in at number 22, like we said, Jonathan Davis, the Speed Demon, hoping to put it all together. And uh, this is a guy, like we were talking about, it was a high end draft pick back when. And. No, I guess not. I'm getting somebody mixed up. He's 15th round, but he showed flashes of being something special. We'll see what happens with him on that. So you want to do uh, introduce number 21? You're looking at the list, right? Yes, sir. Looks like we have got Reese McGuire at number 21 on the list, who also, like many of the guys that we've covered, got to the big league last year. And I wrote an article not too long ago for Jay's Journal, a few weeks ago, before we got into the top 30 countdown for prospects, and was making the case for Luke Maley to keep his backup job to Danny Jansen. But you know what? I don't think it's as clear-cut that it's automatically going to be Danny Jansen because there's been a lot of excitement about Reese McGuire the last few years by the organization, especially when he's healthy. I mean, it's likelier that he starts in AAA, and if Luke Maley doesn't do well, McGuire will be up rather quickly, but hey man, he showed last year when he's healthy, he can perform really, really well in his 33 plate appearances. Again, small sample size, much like Rowdy Tellez, mm-hmm. so don't get bent out of shape by it, you listeners, but 146 weighted runs created plus. If you can put up that amount of totals in a small, play, uh, in a small sample size, you may have a little bit of something in your bat. So, he's shown that he can both contribute offensively and defensively, so they are pretty set at catcher for the next few years with Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire. Yeah, and as far as the big thing, I think, and I, if anybody is right now listening to this show and looking at Reese McGuire's stat line in Buffalo last year, please don't wait too much into that. He was splitting time with a hot bat with Danny Jansen at the catching spot, and they were struggling exactly. back and forth constantly trying to figure out who was going to be catching that day. And a lot of that fell down to who was pitching and it was, okay, Brucky caught Jansen like 90% of the time, you know, and uh, things, all yeah. that kind of stuff like that. So, which made even more sense when Brucky and Jansen went up to the majors and were together. It just made it that much simpler, you know, and then eventually Reese McGuire joined the fold after the uh, wonderful uh, roster expansion. But as far as all that goes, 
if you look at his season prior to that, the 2017 season, yes, I know it was spread across three different levels. I think that's closer to the player that you will get out of Reese McGuire. A solid defensive catcher and a guy that is going to, you know, just find a way to hit. And he might not be the guy yeah. driving in a ton of, you know, runs or anything, but he's going to get on base, he's going to see good pitches, and it's going to be that simple. He's got a really good eye, so he's going to find things to hit. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of power in his bat, but he can he can hit. He can spray the ball around, uh, be a good slap hitter, get uh, a few extra base hits. But, I mean, the one thing I like about Reese McGuire a lot is through his minor league career when he's had a steady amount of plate appearances, he has been able to get on base quite effectively throughout his entire minor league career. And, I mean, he did that in his 33 plate appearances at uh, the major leagues at the Jays last year, 333 OBP. And he's posted some pretty high on base totals. So if you can get on base as a catcher, you're starting to look like Russell Martin, who was able to get on base a whole lot uh, and walk quite a bit. Uh, so I'm not saying Reese McGuire is going to be Russell Martin by any stretch, but as long as you can get on base as a hitter, that's uh, that's where you start and you get your uh, you build your game around that. Get on base, you score some runs. Yeah, and Reese McGuire, like I said, he's got all the tools. The biggest problem that Reese McGuire would probably be our everyday catcher right now if you did not have Danny Jansen. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good problem to have. Yeah, and a problem that the Blue Jays literally have never had. <laughs> so, right. as far as it goes, when you're talking, okay, as much as I love Pat Borders, you know, that was my definition. And then Ernie Witt, okay, great, defensive catcher, old school. We've been sold on the fact that we're going to have the catcher of the future so many times in the last 20 years that I'm literally getting sick of it. <laughs> it's giving me trust issues. Yeah, and I, I think that's funny because one of the guys that's even uh, was a failed, not I, I can't say failed catcher, but he never really caught fire to ever be that next guy, is one of the coaches on the team now in John Schneider. And he just led yeah. the New Hampshire Fisher Cats to a championship last season. <laughs> so They have a pretty good internal managerial uh, candidate if Charlie Montoyo. I'm not saying this at all, I'm just saying... They, they have a very good internal manager candidate if Charlie Montoya the next few years absolutely flops, which I don't think is going to happen. But, I mean, John Schneider is going to start generating some attention for other big, big managerial jobs. So I hope they're able to keep him in the organization, especially since he won with a lot of the key prospects who will be up in the major league soon. But, yeah, he's going to generate a lot of interest over the next few years for managerial gigs. Yeah, and he's a very talented coach. He's just literally mowed right through the Blue Jays' minor league system since they got him in the door <laughs> for that situation. Yeah. And he's going to be making his major league debut all of a sudden, and I think that's just amazingly fitting that he's going to get to do that with so many of the youngsters that he did keep to did coach and teach. So, especially in these guys that were catching prospects like Reese McGuire and Danny Jansen, that, that's just poetic kind of like stuff. Oh, absolutely! It's a very nice uh, poem. <laughs> Hollywood, good luck with writing that one. <laughs> yeah, give it a try. Give you a story. So, out of those guys that we were just talking about, that obviously we're in a weird section of the uh, top thirty prospects here. That most of the, it's weird that all these guys fell close to each other on the countdown when they're probably going to be playing in certain spots in the season this year with the Blue Jays, or at least dusted in. Right? Maybe the outlier on that is Santiago Espinal, unless he does catch up and fire on fire like we were talking about. Is there any of those guys that we were just talking about through those five players that you think actually has a really good shot to run into this season and actually maybe excel if somebody gets hurt or whatnot? 
Yeah, I think the easy choice is Reese McGuire. I think he's the most polished out of everybody. He's had the most amount of sustained success when he's healthy. I mean, Rowdy Tellez has as well, but the path to the major leagues and consistent playing time seems to be a little clearer for Reese McGuire at this point than it does for Rowdy Tellez, unless there's a trade of Kendrick Morales. But, I mean, Morales will be gone after this year anyways, uh, or a trade of Justin Smoke at the deadline. So, I, I'm most uh, out of the guys that we went through today, I'm definitely most optimistic about Reese McGuire being a piece here for the uh, for the long run, unless he becomes a trade ship, because I do am much higher on Danny Jansen being a thing long term than I am Reese McGuire. Yeah, what is left on Luke Maley's contract? Is it this? He's arbitration eligible this year? Was it? Yeah, I one year deal. I don't. I can't recall if he has another one or not. Yeah, I don't know how many years of control they had left over Luke Maley. I think it might be another year or two, but regardless. Um, yeah, Mealy will be the backup for the next few years uh, unless he becomes a trade candidate, which he could be if he had a season like he did last year. Yeah, it's going to be crazy to see how all three of them end up playing out because, like I like I said, I'm giving Danny Jansen the torch at this point just because I've seen he can pl- he's very, very good behind the plate, and, and he's only getting yeah. better every day. I agree that probably McGuire is defensively better than Jansen right now, but in that American League East ballparks, Danny Jansen's bat is major league ready made. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. And we already saw that in his debut and uh, like you sample sizes be, you know, be gone and whatnot, but Danny Jansen was uh kept his hot hand at the plate throughout that major league debut. So, it's going to be hard for him in my opinion to lose that job, but that right behind, right on his heels that Luke Maley conversation the, and Reese McGuire. It's all about the spectacle study. It's all about the glasses. That's what it is. <laughs> I just think it's fun that we were, I was getting ready to start calling him squints and then they actually signed Eric Sogard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully Eric Sogard doesn't come up and take that from him, which, uh, which it doesn't seem likely anymore after one of their recent additions lately. Yeah. And as far as that goes, I love how you just pick up on my segues, man. It's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, so, uh, I think you don't together every two weeks yeah it's like we know each other did we just become best friends <laughs> oh yes <laughs> so in blue jays news we haven't had a chance to talk this one yet freddie galvis signs a one-year deal with the toronto blue jays with a possible option for number two um it's a one of those deals man you can't make a bad one right <laughs> yeah I, I i don't mind it i think everybody else is kind of in the same boat he provides enough defensive value that he is the last few years at least, since 2015 to 2018, he's at least been worth 1.2 wins, 1.6 in 2015, 2.3 in 2016 with the Phillies, uh, 1.6 again in 2017, and then with the Padres in the full year last year, 1.2. So he will provide some value. He doesn't hit very well. He does have power, but beyond that, he's consistently below the league average of 100 in the WRC plus category. And by the way, if you haven't picked on up, that's my favorite hitting stat. So I always try to drop that. But regardless, he's fine. I mean, I predicted back when they released too low that they would pick up somebody like a Freddie Galvis. And I mentioned that it'll either be Galvis or Jordy Mercer. So I did kind of see this match coming and it uh, doesn't surprise me that they brought him in. But the only thing it opens up for an entirely different conversation, which could be something that becomes part of our spring training preview which next week, by the way, just dropping a nice little subtle hint for our next episode, uh, it's interesting to see what the addition of Galvis does for the future or the immediate future of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Shows to me that they're not necessarily sold on Gurriel at shortstop for an entire season, especially defensively. Did Galvis play any games at third base? 
I think he has in his career. He's more of a shortstop, but I believe he's played all over the diamond. Let me double check I that. I know he's quickly. got enough of an arm to be able to play third base, but as far as everything oh, yeah. goes, I just figured as far as it goes, I honestly was wondering how much of this was to get keep Guriel at short and um, you know have somebody else around that can give everybody the day off. One would be in the Devin Travis second baseman, whatever heck's going on. <laughs> <laughs> can yeah, yeah, yeah. more than anything, or at least to throw another good name into that pot. And um, that's one thing at least Evan Travis doesn't get as far as everything goes. He is def- definitely not the best second baseman defender, but he's definitely not the worst. You bring a guy in at yeah. least with like um, with Galvis's power, you know, stuff at the uh, at the position, you get something, you know, at least worst case scenario, you got somebody in late innings when it's really really close, and you got a guy out on the mound and you're just trying to play defense. That Galvis is defense is going to be an easy sell to put into that position and but yeah and he did play some games in third base not recently but i'm seeing back with yeah. philly right yeah and he's, he's kind of played all over i mean the last four years he's played pretty much primarily a shortstop but he has played at third he's played at second as recently as 20, uh, last year he played five games at second base for the padres so he could back up there as well for jury or travis and the one interesting one that I saw as recently as 2017, he did get some time in the outfield too. So uh, he can be versatile and play out there in an absolute pinch if need be. Correct. And as far as it goes, I think this has just fallen into the Blue Jays wanting at Ben Zobrist for so many years that there was one actually available and we pulled the trigger. <laughs> That's going to be Lourdes Gurriel, my friend. Gurriel's going to be their Zobrist. Yeah, and honestly, I wouldn't shock me at all. As we know, he's going to hit, I think. It's where his, where his glove and his arm land him. And in all reality, I, I'm, sh- I'm shocked that conversation hasn't come up sooner because he's got a cannon in it. And how much of it's super controlled from short, I'm afraid to put him at second. It's Chuck Knobloch. He can only throw the ball hard. <laughs> so I hope, just hope Guriel's bat carries over, which I think it will. But uh, this is a big year for him. It really is. And it'll go a long way to determining his ultimate position, even if he has a sixth position or not over the next few years. So, like I said, it's, it's more more fun to be having in the Thunderdome come spring training here in the week as far as how this roster is going to shake out. With these kind of players and so much good young talent, it, it's going to be an insane, like, just they're going to be mashing at each other, trying to outdo each other all spring. And if that plays well, that could carry into the season. And that might be the reason we are looking better than we actually are type of thing come, you know, June. <laughs> yeah. Oh, without a doubt, it could be. It could surprise. I don't know. That's, Competition that does breed success. Yeah, exactly. They're all going to be competing with each other because they know they got to prove they, uh, the front office, that they should be long-term pieces here for the next uh, for the next core of Vlad and Bo. Yeah. So as far as everything goes, man, I think that pretty much wraps it because I don't want to talk about the Ryan Tapera news that could be happening tomorrow after we already release this show. So next week we'll talk Ryan Tapera's arbitration case as the Blue Jays go head-to-head with him for more or less what comes down to about $275,000. Yeah. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter, but uh, don't take it as there's a rift between the two. <laughs> That's about it. So, in all reality, he's going to be a Blue Jay come opening day anyways, regardless. So, it's going to be good to see him back in the bullpen again. The biggest problem with Tepera is he still reminds me way too much of Jason Frazier. (laughs) Yeah, I don't fully trust Ryan (laughs) Tepera. Yeah, and that's why 
see segue. <laughs> the Sergio Romo possibility is all of a sudden so intriguing. Yeah, and Hayden was saying today that he's getting close to a deal, and the Blue Jays are one of the teams in on Sergio Romo, and it makes sense given his connection to Charlie Montoya with the Rays, and the fact that uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what way they use him. He's very versatile, as he showed last year. He can he can start as the opener, uh, he could uh, he can close, and he can be a setup man too. So um, I would not be surprised if Sergio Romo ends up being a Toronto Blue Jay. My biggest thing that I love that with them even being in this conversation to get somebody good like Romo that's a veteran presence in the back of that bullpen, I, I, he's not going to be taking a job from Ken Giles anytime soon as a closer, I don't think. But the fact that he is bringing a veteran presence into the back of that bullpen where he's going to have to eat innings for possibly some of these young guys that are going to be dancing around in the you know fourth and fifth spot on the rotation, it's nice to have a guy like this you can just know that you're going to get back into the game if <laughs> all hell breaks loose, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So... The Romo thing is a great idea for the Blue Jays, and it's nice to see that they're actually in on somebody that is a veteran as far as things go because I, I love the idea that they're going youth, but there is a nice balance there. I don't want to see them ever go anywhere near as old as they've been the last few years. But, yeah, yeah balance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that pretty much wraps it, my friend. Do you want to let everybody know what you guys are up to recently at Jays Journal? Because I know you guys are having as much fun with prospects as we are. Yeah, it's pretty much Prospect Central right now, going through the top 30 list. I put one out yesterday on Forest Wall, which was part of the discussion we had earlier, but also, um, yeah, that's probably going to be the majority of my content in the next little while as spring training draws ever near, talking about the prospects, top 30, and I believe the next one I have to write is not really, it doesn't, it's not really a prospect in my eyes anymore, but Billy McKinney is my next one that I signed up to write about, so, uh, Look for that. I believe it's going to go out next Monday, so it'll uh, it'll go up on Jay's journal. Yeah, if, ironically, that's probably about won't be talking about him on this show. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, as far as everything goes, that's um, and um, obviously keep following Brendan on Twitter and on jaysjournal.com. And we're going to be back here next week to do a Wednesday wallop again because we got to get all used to this whole spring thing, right, buddy? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Spring training is ever near, and uh, that's a warm sight with all this ice pellets that's going through Toronto and Rochester right now. <laughs> At least there's something on the horizon, right? <laughs> something to look forward to. Baseball and warmer weather. About time. Yep, it's coming, man. <laughs> it takes a little longer for us up here, but it's coming. At least yeah. I can watch it and see it on TV, and I can sit on my couch with a martini or something. <laughs> exactly, buddy. That's exactly the way to do it. So... But as far as fun goes, Blue Jays fans, um, join the conversation with us on Twitter because next week not only are we going to knock off five more top prospects, we are also going to be talking bold predictions for the Blue Jays spring training. What could happen? You know, Give us some ideas. Get what you want to talk about. Will Dalton Pompey still have a job? I don't know. It's all these kind of things that we're going to talk about. <laughs> <Bob can> talk about. <laughs> I want him to have a job so bad. I'm, he's one of those guys, man. <laughs> he's so class act that he's just been the wrong the wrong bad luck i guess would be the best way of saying it so anyways like i said hit us up at birdwatching gc on twitter we are on instagram same freaking handle same everywhere same thing on facebook so join the conversation also hit us up on jbirdwatching.com our wonderful new website that has been taking more form by the day uh, brendan pleasure as always here on the wednesday wallet my friend 
You bet. I'm glad we were able to do it. And uh, we'll be chatting next week as opposed to the normal two weeks. So looking forward to that. Definitely. And uh, stay warm, my friend. <laughs> and all you listening out there, make sure you hit those uh, subscribe buttons while you're trapped inside in your icebox. And we'll uh, talk Blue Jays baseball. Thank you very much for everybody tuning in. And let's go Blue Jays. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.